You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. And there's not a better bet in the sports business, in the crossover business, than when you bring Javier Reyes of Lockdown Padres on your podcast because you know your pod is going to do numbers when he's talking with you. So without further ado, let's bring the man on who's going to inflate our numbers for this week, Javier Reyes. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, sir? I am doing fantastic, sir. Thank you, as always, for the very warm and lovely introduction. I love doing our crossovers, uh, and we haven't done them in a while, which is mm-hmm. which is which is Been true for sure. Um, but every time, they're always a delight. They're always a delight, and we're giving people a a jam packed, double stuffed. Um, what's a food that's double stuffed? Whatever food that's double stuffed. Bill bar. There you go. Double Bill bar. bar. Double yeah. stuff built bar. There you uh-huh. go. There, this is why they pay Miller the big bucks, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but man, I'm thrilled to be here. I know we've had some fun over the years talking D-backs, Padres. Um, and I'm excited to keep it going because I think that the D-backs are a very sneaky team this year. Mm, yeah, we're talking a little bit off the air. And I want to start with the offseason hobby. But I first must say, just looking ahead to the opening day schedule, it's nice. For the first time since I've hosted the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast, Opening day won't be Madison Bumgarner versus San Diego Padres lineup where we make our bet the D-backs lose. And then I got to do some crazy tweet for the next week on my social account. So very glad to see that the opening schedule doesn't include D-backs versus Padres because that has killed me the last three seasons. Man, it has not just kill you. It's almost murdered you online. I mean, I've won multiple wagers against you, All one of which... Multi- has it been all of them? I, oh, you know what I'm oh, thinking about? I'm thinking about like I'm thinking about like our like fantasy league that I was a part of. Which <laughs> That's if, what those I who don't know, yeah, those who don't know, I don't know how he does it. This man wins every fantasy league he's in. It's actually incredible. I will never forget. Locked on, just a quick thing. Locked on fantasy football league. This man had the second lowest points. I had the second most. I missed the playoffs. He made it and he won. Like, I don't know how he does this, man. He's a wizard. He's a wizard. He's an absolute wizard. Yeah, when it comes to fantasy, I'm absolutely obsessed. And I don't think we've discussed spring training starts this week. We need to hit up that lockdown chat and get Mm -hmm. a fantasy league going. And it has to be for money. Mm -hmm. No more just putting your pride on the line. Let's put some (laughs) wallets on the table because I'm ready to put my money where my mouth is. Javi, speaking of money, a lot Mm. of money was spent this offseason by your San Diego Padres specifically. A lot of it was tied up to Xander Bogarts. I don't even have his contract details on me, but I know he's making 25 a year over the next 10 to 11 years. And for me, as a D-backs fan, the D-backs were heavily linked to Xander Bogarts as well. I thought we were potentially in the lead, either us or the Red Sox. Mike Hazen has ties to that Red Sox organization. He was there in the front office when they scouted and developed Xander Bogarts and everything. So I thought he would have been a perfect fit here as shortstop for a season or two. And then you move him over to third base, call up Jordan Lawler. Now you got the left side of your infield, Bogarts, Jordan Lawler. I would have been so happy. I grew up as a Red Sox fan. Don't tell my D-backs audience that, but I grew up as a Red Sox fan. So I think Xander Bogarts leave was going to hurt my heart but i was like if he's coming to arizona it's all all right but then 
Not only did he not sign with the D-backs, not only did he leave my childhood team, the Boston Red Sox, he went to the enemy, the San Diego Padres. Javi, I, I, I'm not liking the move. I like it for you guys because it's going to be a huge addition. But, oh, there it is. There it is. Where are we? Two minutes into the pod. Slam Diego, baby. For the ignore ignore the guy over here. Ignore this guy over here. It's it's actually pretty hilarious oh, looking back at it. He should be in the um, middle, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, look, with the D-backs, and that, that's one of the first things I wanted to ask you is, don't get me wrong, and I do want to talk, ask you also about like kind of the sneaky – little sleeper potential that we, like we said, we were talking about before we started recording of this D-backs team that has, while admittedly taken some hits, mm -hmm. considering how bad it was like in 2021 and 2020, they've kind of, they've recovered. You know what I mean? They've healed, they've regenerated just a tad bit. And, you know, Corbin Carroll being kind of like the big leader because of how much of a prospect pedigree he has. But I'm wondering, there's a lot of those teams. There's Baltimore and the D-backs are a little bit similar where these are these teams that have really exciting young players. They're slowly getting out of the, the mud that they were in before, but they didn't spend money to get like that anchor for the mm -hmm. team, right? Baltimore, I know, has been getting criticized a lot. Shout out Connor Newcomb of Lockdown Orioles. Go check that out. Was there, aside from Xander Bogarts, like was there a move that you really wish that the D-backs had done to just... Have that little, you know, it's not Aaron Judge necessarily. It doesn't have to be a guy like that. It doesn't even have to be a guy like Xander. But were there a couple moves where you're like, it would have been nice to just be like, all right, we're just going to get a couple extra good ball players to kind of even this out and at least make us like a fun or a more fun team than just a rebuilding one. I'm not sure. Xander Bogarts was definitely up there on that list for me just because he's someone that's still like 29, 30 years old. I think he could have fit the timeline. Ketel Marte is like 30. So I would have really enjoyed a Xander Bogarts. Like some people wanted Dansby Swanson, the former number one pick by the D-backs who has traded mm. that Shelby, awful Shelby Miller deal. They wanted him Oof. to come back to Arizona. I was like, no. Dansby Swanson was someone that I did not want on a long-term contract. So I was kind of happy with the D-backs if they weren't going to sign Xander Bogarts. I was kind of happy not spending money on like um, like the Michael Confortos, the Brandon Nimmo's of the world. Like, yeah, it would have been cool maybe to get like, I don't know, a Mitch Hanniger who would have been a nice little outfielder power righty for the D-backs. But I like the moves that they did. Like I'm more pro just letting – giving your young guys as many opportunities as possible, seeing where their true ceiling lies, give the Corbin Carrolls of the world as many opportunities as possible. They got a whole bunch of rookies down of rotation. Let them see, uh, let, let them get opportunity as possible and then really see where the ceiling is for your young players. See what their real potential is. And then when, and then I think you could go from there. Once you really know what you have established in your own system, then I don't mind going out there and spending money and adding to the mix you already have. Right now, I just felt like there's still too many question marks surrounding their young players in terms of how good are they really? What's your ceiling at? So once we answer those questions, then I'm more pro entering in some bigger name ball players to help this ball club because as it currently stands i don't think they're really ready you know of course for the aaron judges of the world but i also don't think i would have wanted them to just go out there and spend money on some veteran who would have been good like a jock peterson or a michael conforto but i'm actually more pro just keeping it internal and trying to build this thing out naturally and just working on the margins that's what they did with the evan longoria move they need a mm -hmm. platoon third baseman to go with josh rojas he's not some big splash or anything like that but you get 90 games out of Evan Longoria you get the he still crushes lefties you get some over the fence power like that's the perfect kind of move you don't have to go out there and make a big splash sometimes those moves around the edges is all you would is all you need to improve your team from year to year yeah I feel that and I know that there are other teams out there that they sign guys almost just to sign guys right like yeah. Baltimore brought in Adam Frazier that's not it's that's not a player that's like like you're saying you know maybe we want to give 
um, what's his face, Merrill Kelly another year, right? Like, let's just focus on those type of players where there's certainly the verdict is not out of them. I think the verdict is out on a player like an Adam Frazier, right? Like, we kind of yeah. know who that is. So I, I do agree. I think the D-backs were like, all right, well, at least we don't totally know what some of these players are, right? If you brought right. in your, you know, your old veteran, yeah, they're probably quote-unquote better, but the upside is tantalized, especially for a team that's in a loaded division like the NOS. So, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's interesting. And I, look, I'm not, like, mortified of the D-backs, but they have something. This division except the Rockies, uh, are, is going to be, like, really, really good, I think. I think yeah. that this is genuinely, like, I am i don't think this is just Padres-Dodgers. I really, really don't. I, I think that even if the D-backs don't finish super strong, I think that may be a factor of being in a tough division, similar to, say, the AL East, where some teams might look a little bit worse just because Yankees, Red Sox, um, what's it called, Rays, Blue Jays. Right. Like, that's, that's pretty rough, you know what I'm saying? So... That's what I kind of my take on the NL West. Well, I know uh, you just did a crossover with Ben. Kind mm-hmm. of where I'm planting my flag this year is the Giants are like just such an overrated team. Like I think they'll Ooh. be a solid ball club. <laughs> I think they'll be in like the upper 70s, probably around 500. <laughs> but I'm not convinced that they're better than the D-backs. And I would maybe take a bet if when I do my crossover with Ben Caspic, I might have to get a bet going <laughs> back for Giants because I've looked at the side by side. Stack up the names on paper, side-by-side, rotation, mm-hmm. lineup, whatever you want. And you're like, mm. dang, this D-backs team straight up might have more talent than this Giants roster who just lost Carlos Rodon to the New York Yankees, who whiffed on Aaron Judge Ooh. and their Carlos Correa's of the world. And then Ooh. who did they bring in? I like Hanniger. I like him. Conforto, they're all right. But are, are those game-changing players? Are those moving needle players? I look at the FanDuel odds. The Giants are like plus 2,000 or something to win the division. The, the D-backs are like... Plus 4,000. Like, basically, according Ooh. to FanDuel, the D-backs are, like, twice as worse as the Giants. I just think that's complete blasphemy because I'm not in on the Giants this year. They'll probably be solid. They'll be a good ball club, maybe near 500. But are they going to be better than the D-backs? I'm not convinced, Javi. What do you think about the Giants this year? I want to get your take. Ooh, I like that. And shout out to the, the, the FanDuel plug. That was good, too. That yeah. was very good. Hey, man. That's plus 4,000? I would have to check. Yeah, it. probably not yeah. plus four thousand. <laughs> but still, I mean, it, it for me it would be like a toss up between these two, because the upside talent I think the D backs have in terms of the maybe the depth of a rotation that might be the advantage of the Giants. But also, this is a team last year that had like the worst defense in baseball. So, you know, Brand Crawford ain't getting any younger. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's players on the team. They also lost Brandon Belt. Granted, he's always hurt, but and and Joey Bart has not turned out to be what I think people were excited about him being a few years ago. Now he's just a strikeout machine, which is really, really bad. I think he was, what was he at? 40% last year. Holy God. Uh, so that's pretty rough. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know. And the Dalton Varsho trade helps them out maybe a little bit in the future. I, I don't know, Jim. I don't know, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Jim. Yeah. Um. Speaking of FanDuel, I'm looking at it right now. Giants are plus 1,100 to win the division. D-backs are plus 4,000. So even worse than what I originally said of being double worse in terms of odds. They're like basically triple as bad as the Giants. I don't even know how to do the math there, but plus 1,100 to plus 4,000 when one team might be better than the other. I just would say the Giants probably have a higher floor while the D-backs have a higher ceiling. And hey, Javi, speaking of FanDuel, let me pull up our little overlay. Let me tell our listeners a little thing or two about FanDuel because the midway point of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number 
one sportsbook because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win just download the FanDuel sportsbook app it's safe it's secure and super easy to use then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drain plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay that's my favorite thing to do Javi because we are not in baseball season right now it's the NBA season I'm a huge Lakers fan so every game LeBron 25 point LeBron five rebound LeBron five assists <laughs> 80 25 and 10 you package that all together that's instant money in your pockets so don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more at FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA all right now, in the first segment, I was trying to get you to talk about Xander Bogarts, and then you just flipped it back. <laughs> with the, oh, okay. I just knocked something over on my desk. That's definitely going to be a big mess to clean up when we're done here because I just oh, no. knocked over my bowl with a whole bunch of crumbs from eating crumbs. Oh, no. That's going to be annoying to clean up when we're done here, Javi. But I want to just ask you and get your thoughts on Xander Bogarts because I gave you my thoughts on how upset I was when he signed with the Padres. But what was your feeling? Were you like, okay, we got Bogarts, but man, that, that contract, buddy, that's pretty long there. Look, when it comes to contracts, I think that it is fair to keep in mind that the Padres historically have just never done this. So even if they don't work out, the fact that the team is trying, especially for this kind of team, not like a Yankees, not like a, you know, a Nationals or like a, you know, some of these other teams I've spent money before. The Padres have never done this. So I think by default, no matter what happens, they're going to be excited about big deals. And I think that's what happened when, you know, Tatis extension got announced, the Udarvish thing gets announced. All that stuff, I think, is always really fun for them. Um, Here's the thing. I think one thing in fairness about the Xander Bogarts contract is just that if you're going to make a bet on a guy aging well, it would be a guy like Xander for like the a decade. I mean, this dude basically ever since he entered the league has been a plus bat uh, basically every year. Defense leaves a little bit to be desired, but plus bat stays healthy. And hey, if he at least can give you a couple of years of this huge 11-year deal where he's providing really great defense, this guy had a six war last year. If he has the defense, that it takes him into the upper echelon. Not just he's a star because of the consistency, but he becomes a superstar if he also is able to combine that with the defense. He doesn't have to do that every year, but if he does it for a little bit, that'd be great. And in the moment when it happened, it was I, I, I'm just like every damn time I'm like, all right, now they're gonna calm down. Every time, every time I, I forgot what I was watching, and then just out of nowhere, I just get the the Jeff Passan notification. <laughs> And I just have to head downstairs to record. It was so nuts. And I genuinely didn't think they would do that, especially because of the position, especially because of the years. You know, you've been hearing all sorts of rumors about a bunch of different teams. And the Padres went out and did it, man. And, and then Peter Seidler, he's in his bag, right? You heard his comments the other day. He's saying, ah, we got the spice. We're going to go out here and win a title and all this stuff. It's great. It's really great. And I think that no one should be really faulting the Padres. Obviously, it can turn out poorly. But you know what? There's a lot of other teams that contracts turn out poorly, but they did get a title out of it. So that's kind of my response on that. And again, if you're going to make a bet on someone, he has been consistent as almost as basically any player, with the exception of a, a Freddie Freeman, you know, a Mike Trout, like those type of guys. Consistency is Xander Bogart's name. 
And we probably over complain sometimes about long-term contracts because he's getting yeah. 25 million a year, which is not a crazy amount. He's getting the same amount as Dansby Swanson. I'd rather have Xander Bogarts. He's getting 2 million less annually than Trey Turner. Like it's just kind of the going rate for these guys. And let's say hypothetically, Manny Machado re-signs with the Padres. I know we're going to talk about that in a, in a second, but let's say hypothetically, Manny Machado re-signs with the Padres for the next seven years, right? Even if that second half of Xander Bogarts contract doesn't work out, I want that core four of Tatis, Machado, Soto, and Bogarts as long as I can in their prime, whether it's three years, whether it's six years. I want that core together as long as possible, not only because the on-the-field product with those four healthy should be phenomenal, should be able offensively to make you compete for a World Series year in and year out, but also secondly, it's like, as a fan, like who cares about a decade-long contract? I want to see those four together as long as possible. As a fan, I'm not going to worry about it when Xander Bogarts is 37 years old. If I'm like a 55-year-old fan, like this might be the rest of my sports fandomhood. It's just watching those four. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about what Xander Bogarts looks like in year 2024 or I guess 2044. I'm just going to care about how my team looks right now. So it's like we get too caught up. It's like 11 years is such a long time. It's like I don't want to think about that in terms of my actual age and my actual reality like let's sometimes live in the moment it's like man i'm gonna have tatis machado soto and bogarts in their prime together in 20 you know mid to late 20s all four of them for maybe the next five years like that's going to be special to watch and going to give you guys a chance to compete every single season now that we're seeing with these long-term contracts too like there's more players willing to put these opt-out deals like we see with the manny machados of the world in their contract so I don't think Bogart says that in his deal, but like sometimes we talk about these long-term deals and it's like, yeah, after four years, they could opt out anyway and just re-sign. So it's not really a long-term contract like you, what you might expect. Mm. I, I mean, it's just, ah, man, it's like, I really can't emphasize enough. Even the Juan Soto deal, there was like momentum to it, you know, like for weeks, it was still like, I was still wondering like, all right, come on. The Cardinals are going to do this, right? The Dodgers are going to do this, mm -hmm. right? Like some team out there is going to be like, all right, it's Soto. And apparently the Cardinals didn't want to give up Dylan Carlson. So, <laughs> okay. Um, and I like Dylan Carlson for the record, but it's just he's funny right. like, that that was the big, he's all right. Yeah, he's all right. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Um, and then with Bogarts, it was like, I just thought this was a team that was going to build around the edges. And I thought, you know, with everything that happens, they were going to be like, all right, well, we have Tatis, we have Manny, we have Soto, we have three. And they're like, what if we make it four? There's four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's what you need. All right. There's there's the fantastic four. We don't want no three. I mean, there's the Trinity. You've got stuff out there. But for the most part, four horsemen sounds a little bit better, I think. And I'm hoping that it comes through. And man, Petco Park, that, that opening day in Petco Park is going to be nuts. Everyone talked about Fan Fest with Bogarts. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, we saw after the deadline. When the Soto trade first happened, and the first game that he played, that place was going nuts, and they had the grand slam from Brandon Drury, not on the team anymore. Josh Bell hit a home run too. I'm pretty sure in that game, it was just like, like they were going nuts. It was like World War Three that we won, and and it's over. Like everybody was just ecstatic, and man, it's going to be rocking on opening day, especially if they're able to potentially, uh, you know, do stuff along the line too, not opening day, but mm -hmm. like, you know, down the line. I don't know if you heard mm. Jackson Merrill, top 10 prospect, according to Fangraphs. Oh. AJ, oh. AJ Preller hasn't made a trade this offseason. Oh, oh we know that, that itch. Means. He's got that itch. So I'm just saying, everybody, look forward to that in the uh, middle of the season, probably. Yeah, because the other thing that made the Xander Bogart signing so 
out the blue is the fact that they were basically turning down any reports that they were linked to Carlos Correa because it was like Fernando Tatis plays shortstop, Manny Machado plays mm-hmm. third base. Where Xander Bogart's going to play unless one of those three is a DH. And now it seems like Fernando Tatis Jr. is just going to move to center field. Do you see that causing any issues within your clubhouse or just him being in the outfield? Maybe because the D-back tried to move Ketel Marte to center field for a season. We're like, man, he runs into the wall a lot and he's always getting hurt. (laughs) Maybe we should move him back to second base. In fairness, it's a good problem to have where you're like, we have so many good players. Where do we put them? But there's absolutely a lot of concern. I mean, and I talked about this with Ben on my podcast. Just a lot of different players on this Padres team are going to be playing different positions. And whether or not there's statistical stuff to back up, whether or not everyone's going to transition poorly or not so poorly. Bottom line, is just it's a big, it's a lot of change up. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of teams that when you just change things so quickly, they kind of fall apart and whatnot. Or at least they get a little bit worse. It takes time. With Tatis, he's got the athleticism, obviously. Um, Air Tatis, he's got the the glove, he's got the the arm strength, all that. But like you said, with the durability, that is a concern. But I think number one is he's just going to try and prove himself. I think that he knows he messed up. This is a team that was trying to make a World Series run. Who knows what happens if he's back on that team? Gets suspended. He has the dumb motorcycle accidents. All of that stuff. I think his thing is I need to earn back the favor if I ever want to get back to shortstop someday. Which, who knows, that might happen. I mean, I, I actually think that it, his defense was overhated. I, I do. I'm not saying he's a plus, but I think that there's somewhere in between uh, with Tatis. So I think that if he ever wants to get there, he has to earn his favor back. So I think he's going to be good this season. Defensively, though, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said I, it was a lock. I don't know. Nobody knows. It's, it's genuinely like one of the big like kind of question marks surrounding not just this team, but probably any team in the NL. It's just, what's this guy going to look like in the outfield? And I don't really know. Yeah, well, we know at least offensively once Fernando Tatis Jr. is back, he'll be a huge boost to that lineup. If you need a boost to start your day, do you know what you need to eat, Javi? Rumor has it, uh, the built bars are pretty good. Whew, I heard. That is right, because if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a built bar because – I we got through the holidays a couple months ago. I'm still trying to stick to my New Year's resolutions, but it's getting tough. My sweet tooth is kicking my butt right now. I got major cravings, but it's okay because Built Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. So it's great for the keto diet. And the way it just fills my sugar craving is it's covered in 100% real chocolate. It's soft. It's easy to chew. And right now, you don't just have to go online. You don't just have to go to built.com if you want your own box of built bars. That thing is a thing of the past. Nowadays, you can walk into your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club and get a major box of built bars. So right now, if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13 bar box of my favorite of my favorite flavors, either brownie batter or churro, and then you can thank mm. me later. All right, Javi. I teased it a little bit there with Fernando Tatis Jr., but when is he actually expected to be back? Because isn't he still going to be like suspended for like the first 30 or 40 games or something? Yeah, uh, he's going to be back hopefully a little bit um, sooner because of the Padres' lovely playoff run, of course. Okay. But man (laughs) look just please man (laughs) you know what i mean just get back be okay um he's gonna be suspended for the beginning and so that's gonna 
leave some room for some other guys to potentially step up. We're going to see. We're going to see where they play Matt Carpenter. We're going to see where they play exactly. If maybe, man, is we sure Xander Bogarts is going to always play at short? I remember some people thought at one point he might play a little bit of second, and Hassan Kim shortstop. We'll see how that goes. Um, we'll see if Tatis plays a little bit of left field. They say Soto is going to play left field, but Tatis probably is going to play right field. And in fairness, Soto was pretty atrocious in left field last year or right field last year. So we'll see how that all pans out. But you know, Jose Zocar, how much run does he potentially get? Guys like that, you know, we're going to see if there's any other spring training darling that maybe makes the team to potentially get at least get a shot until Tatis gets back. Um, but yeah, like April or so, that's that's what I've last heard. So. Um, you know, as long as he fills out the suspension and he's, hey, at least he's going to be participating in team activities. He's been there. He looks great. And that's really all you can hope for if you're the Padres right now. Yeah. And he only played 130 games in 2021, still finished third in MVP voting, yeah. still led the league in home runs as well. So I think if you get 130 games out of Fernando Tatis Jr., that's about yeah, all you need, especially if he's there for the postseason. That's really the most important thing. But what happened to my guy, Jackson Profar? Is he still a free agent out there? Has anyone he picked is- him up? My boy Jerickson, man. My boy Jerickson. He free him. What is going on? And he's in free. Fairness, in fa- yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Isn't that a good point, actually? I didn't think of that. Um, look, he is still on the market, and I don't think the Padres are going to get him. They already got Carpenter, like I said. I don't really see. They'd probably rather bring up a minor leaguer. I think he's an average okay player, and maybe he overplayed his hand. Maybe, you know, Boris and them, they thought, opt out of your contract, you're going to get something else. And he still doesn't have a contract. It's actually kind of like one of the secretly more weird kind of storylines in baseball right now that he still hasn't been signed anywhere. I don't know if this is like, could this be Michael Conforto part two? I know we talked about him in the earlier in the podcast, but it's like, is he secretly hurt? Right? Because that was weird when the Michael Conforto thing happened. I was like, this is a guy who's been a home run king for a while, and he's not that bad defensively. He's not great, but he's not bad. And he just didn't sign anywhere, and then all of a sudden it came out he's actually going to miss the season. And, of course, me being an idiot, uh, ended up drafting him in fantasy baseball um, last year. So that was fun. Uh, (laughs) So, look, I just make picks sometimes that I get too obsessed with being, like, a hipster and, like, picking the player nobody wants. And then I do it by accident. And then I'm like, wait a minute, why did I I take Cody Bellinger? Like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, this is so dumb. Uh, But, yeah, I think that in general. Profare as I like to call him. Um, I'd love if he signs with a good team, at least a fun one, because I really enjoyed him on the Padres. I know he had a bad second half. I know there's a lot of criticisms with his him as a player, but it's really just cool to see him playing. I, I mean, this is a guy who was a top-level prospect that shoulder gets super messed up, struggles for a bunch of years, and it's just cool that he's still in the league, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, and I felt wasn't he like kind of sneaky and porn to what the Padres were doing last year? Like I felt like he was kind of a glue guy. Okay. A little bit of a glue guy, yeah, especially early on. Uh he was mm-hmm, playing yeah. decent defense, which is mostly because of his arm strength, not because he's particularly fast or gets to the ball really well, but uh he had a bunch of outfield assists at one point, which was really rad. And at one point he was just hitting home runs all the time. So especially early on in the season for a team that was missing Tatis, right? And they didn't manage to get a big power bat. That was a big thing for them, where it was like, all right, this guy came out and just exploded onto the scene. So that was really good, even if it was just for the first like two months or so. I thought just based on that, that a team would be like, all right, cool, let's let's give this guy a shot. And he's only thirty, so yeah. that's the other thing. Feels like he's been in the league for like twenty years, but he's only thirty. So yeah, he was so young when he broke in, and like you said, he was like maybe one of the most heralded prospects of all time. I remember mm-hmm. just hearing him year 
the year as the number one guy. Five tool player. This guy could do it all. And it's like, ah, he's probably uh, he, he's got five tools, but are any of them that highly rated? Um, mm-hmm. Probably not. And then I see you guys also let go my other fan favorite that I like to hate on Will Myers. That's pretty sad. That's all he signed with the Cincinnati Reds <laughs> for a little one year, seven half million dollar deal. But speaking of free agents, Javi. Um, I could go in two different directions here with the way I opened that question. Let me start here, actually, before we get into a little controversy. How close do you think the Padres actually were to signing Aaron Judge? And how did it feel to you that they actually like how close they actually were? Like, were you actually anxious and like actually felt like it was believable that your team could do that? I thought no, because I just thought there were other teams that wanted him more. I thought the Yankees wanted him more. I thought the Giants wanted him more. And just in general, like it. It didn't seem like it. Now, the Padres are just, I think it was more of a, hey, we want every good player. So this guy's good. We want to have a call with him. Like, they're not going to be intimidated by what someone might cost. I mean, there's already rumors and articles coming out and reports that the Padres are going to be super aggressive on Shohei Otani next year, right? So they're not intimidated. Whether or not that means they'll get them is a different thing. But it's also just cool to see that they're like, we're never we're never done, like we're still going. Uh, so I want to see how that pans out. But I think the deal was they at first said that they offered him like four, four something crazy, right? Uh, like and 400 or something. Yeah, it was like 400 million. That turned out not to be true. But they did speak with him and have some meetings with him, probably around the time maybe when he was visiting San Francisco. So I don't think they were particularly close, but they were laying the groundwork. And hey, there's more that goes into these things. Maybe it was just they wanted to talk to his agent. Because they see some client down the line and they want to build that relationship. That happens all the time in like the NBA and whatnot, where it's like, I remember back in the day, it'd be like, Durant is meeting with the Portland Trailblazers. And it's like, no, he's not. (laughs) His agent is meeting with them and he's just going to go there to say hi. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that, that plays a part in this too, is just, you know, cultivating a, a good culture of being like, hey, we want you here. We just want to say what's up. You know, we would love to have you. Obviously, we have a certain number in mind. You might not take it, but just, you know, establish networking dare i say yeah and they could done just to drive up the bidding price on judge so he doesn't go to san fran and if you're talking about slam diego then i think you have to bring aaron judge in the mix and have that like if you had soto tatis machado judge as your core four then yeah slam diego is at a different level at that point that would have been absolutely insane but now, speaking of free agents, Javi, one guy who is looking for a little extension, a little bit more money on his deal and is threatening to opt out at the end of the season. We've been talking all this stuff about the core four, watching it over the next five to six to seven to ten years. But what if this core four is a one year wonder? Does that make you nervous at all? I don't know, man. I don't know. This is a good final question, though. This is a good one. I like this one to kind of close things out. Um, final question? What you mean? Hey, we, we've been going for a decent <laughs> amount of time <laughs> for, for this episode. Don't worry, folks. You got you, you got more of us joking around soon. Um, yes, that does worry me. I think that with this next year, you know, you will at least have Soto. You will have Bogarts. You'll have Tatis. But with Manny, there's some questions. I think the problem with Manny is I think they have the advantage of hometown discount and i don't mean in terms of money i mean in terms of him wanting to play there i think he loves lifestyle there. yeah lifestyle uh discount i think that that's true that means uh you could skirt by maybe 10 million or something maybe something like that but i think more importantly 
he'll have the first call. They'll be in contact constantly. It's not going to be, say, what I imagine Corbin Burns feels about the Brewers, where he's like, I ain't going to talk to you guys at all, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> like, I'm going to talk to the other teams first. If you guys want to pay more than them, that's fine. I'm going to them first. <laughs> and I think that does mean something. So we'll see how that pans out. Um, but my other thing in terms of how it might not happen is the Mets just paid how much money to Carlos Correa? It didn't go through. They paid a lot of money for Carlos Correa. Manny Machado, probably a better player than Carlos Correa. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not going to be shy about spending money in that direction. New York Yankees, that's a team that hasn't had a third baseman literally since A-Rod, dare I say, or probably since Chase Headley, which is another Padres connection, right? Which is wild. Yeah. Like Chase Headley's probably the best third baseman they've had in a while. I could see them also saying, you know what? I'm sick of Steve Cohen. He, This is our town. You know what I mean? So they're going to try and take it back. So I think if those two teams get involved is when it could become a little bit tricky. And that's when you have to really hope that, all right, hopefully he just really wants to stay here because those guys are ready to, to pony up for sure. Yeah, and maybe, you know, a team like the Giants who missed out on a whole bunch of big-time free agents this past year. Maybe they want to get back in the race and say, hey, let's steal a star from one of our division rivals and add him to our lineup. Maybe the D-backs want to do that and add a Manny Machado to third base. I really doubt that, but I, I I fully expect a lot of teams to be after the Manny Machado services just because he's, of course, a stud major leaguer. But are you... Are you at least worried that if he does leave, that maybe the Padres should just think about trading him this season? Do you want to do a Baltimore Orioles and trade him too late instead of too early? Maybe you guys got to start thinking about trading him at the deadline. Nah, man. How dare you? (laughs) That was insulting. How dare you? I want everyone to send him mean tweets now. How dare you? Uh, If everything went awful, obviously, right? Like that would require a lot of injuries, a lot of poor performances. Um, And unlike the Orioles, the Padres are probably not going to have like the worst defensive team of all time, uh, which was that Orioles team. That was also when Manny was playing short and he wasn't doing all that great there either. So I don't see that happening um, whatsoever. I think more so it's if they are unable to resign him, that makes all the other free agents a lot more interesting. And that makes the possibility, even if slim of maybe saying, all right, we're going to give this money to Soto probably more. So they have some like contingency plans, I think, which gives them a little bit of leverage in this, potential negotiation process, although I do think that they prefer signing him. Okay. I'm very curious to see what happens to the Padres this season. I'm hoping because you look at that core four, you say, okay, the Padres is going to reach great heights, reach great ceilings um, this season. But there's also a little potential for a little combustibility with that Tatis, Xander Bogart's position swip, uh, position swap, and then the Manny Machado contract situation. Then it's like, also, don't forget Juan Soto. Has he got his contract extension yet? He's also on the horizon. So this team could get real expensive real fast. Maybe the egos start playing into it. It's like, whoa. All of a sudden, this Padres team that we thought was going to be around for a half decade is getting blown up. That would be my absolute favorite scenario. Um, you brought up Otani right there. Just real quick, do you think he's getting $500 million next offseason? What do you think his contract is? Man. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it's just that the $500 million, I'm going to say no, okay. but I think he's going to be really close, like a 480. I'm only saying no just because we still haven't crossed 400, right? So if we haven't crossed 400, a 100 million extra, it's possible. I mean, especially because of the markability. I mean, you immediately get like the biggest, most exciting talent in the game. Everyone's going to go want to see him. I mean, I remember like a friend of mine who was at a Yankees game. No one was watching Luis Severino warm up. 
everyone was over and watching Shohei Otani warm up. Like, he's got that crazy blockbuster factor that the league has not seen in a very long time. So that part of it is something that you need to bring into the equation, aside from just his playing ability. But I- I'm going to say no for now. I'm going to lean more conservatively. But then again, if he puts up, like, a nine-war season again, like, I don't know. They, they might just say, screw it, let's do this. And the better question might not be whether he gets $500 million. It might not be the total salary that we look at the better question might be that annual average salary because we see baseball players getting like 45 to 47 how much annually is he going to get he might not get 10 years 500 million but maybe he gets eight years 450 and he's making like 55 annually or something crazy like that so i'm very curious not how long it is or the total but how much Mm -hmm. is he going to make year to year because i think he will be compensated for both that pitching and hitting ability that he has Javier Reyes of Locked on Padres. Any final questions for me today before we depart here? Uh, nothing immediately. I'm, I'm saving them. I'm saving right. them. I'm keeping them in my holster. I'm keeping them saved up, man, because we got I, – I mean, this D-backs team, it intrigues me. It really does. Right. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> intrigues him. Well, that's it for me, Miller Thomas, host of Lockdown Diamondbacks. You can follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 or look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. Javi, where can the listeners find you? Find me at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. If you don't look my, like my comic and nerdy tweets that I sometimes put on there, at L-O underscore Padres for all Padres content, information about the show every now and then too, and then Lockdown Padres on YouTube to see my delightful Slam Diego shirt or my Tatis bobblehead. Will this be the greatest season in Padres history or will it blow up in flames? Tune in. I don't know when opening day is. April 5th? Tune in April 5th <laughs> to find out. That's it from us here at the Lockdown Down next time. <laughs>